The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 123 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize on all the opinions expressed in the show are my own and not that my present or past employers. I will never disclose any sensitive intelligence that have been privileged to a result of my current employment, and I will never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government, and nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I remind our listeners, you can go online at the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest industry news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, to check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news, go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at CSHUB.com. Miss Jordan Ray Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, what a fantastic guest last week. I can't wait to have her back. She was awesome. You know, she's had a really amazing career path. I mean, she went from the White House to the FBI and now FTI Consulting. And the way she's able to intelligently speak with confidence on such a wide variety of cybersecurity topics was really tier one impressive for sure. I mean, not too many people can do that, right? Not too many people can do that. So I think as the cyber threats continue to keep getting more sophisticated around the globe, you know, she was able to talk about what the United States needs to do to secure critical infrastructure and protect our citizens' privacy. And she also spoke about election security, of course, and, and what she learned from her experiences with the 2016 elections and what we need to do to make sure the 2020 elections are stable and free from tampering. And we just had a whole bunch of news come out in the uh, last week about that, too. Um, I guess the president was briefed or his team was briefed on some new uh, intelligence that the Russians are trying to interfere on some level with our 2020 elections. I don't think that's a shock to anyone, um, but we kind of went in, into it a little bit deeper than that. But we also got our opinion on how enterprises can ensure that they are sufficiently protecting their intellectual property and the PII of their employees and customers and how the demand for transparency through government regulation will change the way companies operate and respond to these cybersecurity incidents. And I think that's true. Um, it's definitely obviously going to change things uh, significantly. So I could go on and on. I mean, we covered a wide variety of topics, and it was all great radio. It was all great cybersecurity radio. You can always catch us uh, at the TF7 library on tf7radio.com if you missed the show. And, or you can just go to your favorite playback medium. And, you know, there's 12 of them right now. So just go there, whatever, whatever, whichever one you like the best, go to the TF7 library and catch it. I really, you know, uh, highly recommend that you listen to it. It was a great show. She really covered a wide variety of topics. It's extremely intelligent. 
So that's Managing Director of Cybersecurity for FDI Consulting, Jordan Ray Kelly, on last week's episode. That's episode number 122 of Task Force 7 Radio. Well, if you're listening to us live right now on Voice America, or maybe someone just sent you the link to this episode, you might be wondering how you can listen to all the previous Task Force 7 Radio episodes on playback. Just go to our TF7 Radio site at www.tf7radio.com and hit the episode tab at the top of the homepage, and you can find all the TF7 Radio episodes at your fingertips. And yes, the site has been updated, and everything's there, and it's awesome. Uh, It's awesome. You can see all 122 episodes right there. All the encores are lined up. You can search the guest library, which uh, we're, we're still working on updating that because we had we've had quite a few guests now, and we're trying to stick with it. It's only it's only uh, Andy and I, so <laughs> we don't have a team, but uh, it's good stuff. I mean, the guest library should be updated this week, um, and everything is really moving forward. The site's looking great. Uh, we got a, a great list, I think, of some of the most prolific cybersecurity professionals in the world uh, on this guest list. We're really proud of it. Check it out. We're, the, the new section. Uh, is coming along fine. You can interact with other people on the site, which is great. And like I said, we're on at least a dozen different playback mediums now. We've made it super simple for you to find them all. Just hit the subscribe button on the top right of the homepage and you'll see your entire selection of playback mediums. And most importantly, you can subscribe right to the show from the TF7 radio site. So what's great is that not only can you subscribe to the show right from the site, you put in your email address and you can receive uh, emails on new updates and new shows and things like that, but also every not everyone, but because we're all over the place, but at least 12, 13, four, I think 14 now, maybe something like that. Around a dozen playback mediums is on the site. So you can actually go and just hit the iTunes link or, 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 the, or the, the Google Play link or whatever's there, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and it brings you right to the TF7 page on each one of those playback mediums. And you can subscribe, subscribe there if you want. But it's great. I mean, uh, so everything's super simple and we keep it super simple for you. So check it out, folks www.tf7radio.com to hear any of our episodes at your convenience 24-7, 365, anytime, anywhere around the globe. And whatever you do, don't forget to subscribe. We love it when you subscribe. So we're going to be talking national security this evening with Casey Fleming, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partner Corporation. And Mr. Fleming is a widely recognized top expert, thought leader, and visionary on issues related to cybersecurity and strategic risk. So he's also a sought-after speaker, and he's also the author of Hybrid Warfare, the new face of global competition, and the existential business risk advanced by adversarial nation-states in organized hacking. And if anybody listens to this show, you know that this is close to my heart, and I think we need to be getting this message out a lot more than we do. I don't think it gets enough coverage in the mainstream media, and that's why we're actually talking about this. And we're going to continue to talk about this and educate people and let them know not only through the show, but where other resources they can go to to find out more about what's going on with this hybrid warfare and how the United States has been targeted now and over the last, I don't even know how many decades. So, But his expertise includes critical adversarial intelligence involving great power competition, asymmetric hybrid warfare, the gray zone, cybersecurity, security strategy, economic espionage, and turning intellectual property theft protection into competitive advantages. So Mr. Fleming co-developed Invictus, the strategic war game exercise, to detect and mitigate unforeseen risk within organizations while identifying opportunities to compete effectively. Mr. Fleming has given TEDx talks on hybrid warfare, and he's the founding managing director of IBM Global Services Cyber Division, now, which is, uh, which is now IBM Security. 
So that's really cool. We ask him a little bit about that. Um, he regularly advises senior leadership within the private sector. Okay, he advises Congress, Department of Justice, the FBI. He also speaks to the White House, government agencies. He speaks both in military and academia. We'll ask him to talk a little bit about academia tonight because you really want to know what's going on with academia and with security strategy and cybersecurity. He talks and advises on cloud adversarial intelligence as well as issues concerning national security. And that's why we have him here tonight. Mr. Fleming earned his Bachelor's of Science degree from Texas A&M University and later served as an instructor with IBM's internal MBA program. He has participated in executive programs with Harvard Business School, the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, and IBM Corporation. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partner Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. Casey, welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio. Glad to be with you. Hey, it's good to have you here. I'm really excited about the topics we're going to be talking about tonight. So recently, there have been quite a few key developments concerning our nation's counterintelligence apparatus and the impact they have on the cybersecurity space. So can you tell us what's going on? Actually, I'm glad that uh, uh, your, uh, your staff kind of reached out to us for, uh, for an update on this. This is uh, a very appropriate time to have this conversation. Last week and on February 10th, uh, a major paradigm shift occurred in our, in our nation's capital and with our counterintelligence strategy. The new counterintelligence strategy was released again last uh, February 10th, <clears throat> just last week. And what, uh, what that means is, is that the government, I'll give you it in a nutshell, the government basically says now that we are fighting nations that are whole of nation approach countries, which are China, Russia, um, Iran, even North Korea, because the command and control is at the top of those nations and they're a straight line through in those communist regimes. And uh, for all intents and purposes, Iran may as well be a, a, a communist regime. Um, even though they're not declared one, they certainly act like one. So what that means is, is that the government says that, listen, we have to answer these whole of nation uh, attacks against the United States with a whole of nation response. And the U.S. has typically been fragmented. You know, you've got the government over here, you've got uh, private sector over there, you've got military over there, and you've got um, academia in another place and so on, and they're all very fragmented. So what this means, and this is very significant, you're basically seeing a World War II type of response to a similar type of threat um, with our government. So it's the counterintelligence strategy of 2020 to 2022, and uh, I'll have my staff send over the link to you, George, so you guys can post it uh, on this on the hard copy of this webcast or po podcast. So it's major. So number one, it's a whole of nation response. You've never seen that before, uh, only since World War II. I mean, since World War II, last time you saw that was in World War II. So it requires a whole of nation response. It also says that the private sector really needs to step up and take care of their own and take care of the private sector. You know, I liken it to, you know, our government, they're fantastic people, um, but I liken them to uh, saltwater fish. And the rest of us in the private sector, meaning in the business side and the academic side, are freshwater fish. We don't breathe the same air. We don't breathe quarterly numbers. We don't breathe, breathe profitability. Um, you know, all those and the, and the type of focus that we have on profitability and, and so on. 
So um, having all of our brothers and sisters together in, in the fight is something that's very, very critical. So it's a major paradigm shift. Um, one other thing I'll get into is China, people need to understand that there's only one China. And China is led by the Chinese Communist Party. It was founded in 1921 and came to power in 1949, so 70 years ago. And people need to understand that the Chinese Communist Party killed 77 million of their own people, which is seven times the, the carnage that Hitler did with the Nazi Holocaust. So we have to understand what's really going on here and who's running uh, the, the, Chinese, uh, the Chinese country. Now, I will say that, you know, this is not an, an FBI director, Ray, came out with this and, and made it very, very positive and good statement. You know, this is not an indictment on the Chinese people who we love dearly or the Chinese culture who we love dearly or even Chinese students coming to, to study in the U.S. or Chinese Americans. But what it means is, is that if you're complicit or aiding and abetting the theft of innovation and the destruction of the United States and our democracy and our capitalism, and that's exactly what uh, the Chinese Communist Party is doing, and they're very good at it over the last 30, 34 years, um, that, we're gonna, that we're not tolerating it anymore, and we're going to prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. And that means Americans that are aiding them, and it means that uh, the Chinese um, uh, the Chinese nationals that are, are breaking our laws. So that's, it's critical that we understand that. I mean, um, yeah, I'll give you a couple more data points. You know, uh, inside the Chinese Communist Party, they, they boast about killing Americans in the Korean War and the Vietnam Wars. It's an authoritarian, authoritarian dictatorship. It's General Secretary Xi Jinping. It's not President Xi Jinping. He wasn't elected by the people. And it's all about control, oppression, punishment, and increased aggression to maintain the, the, quote, stability in the country. And as I mentioned before, it's a straight line through the country, through the Chinese, from the Chinese Communist Party all the way down. The government, the military, the private sector are all combined, and they all report to the CCP. Um, and by the way, everybody needs to understand on this, on this uh, podcast that, that, that the Chinese Communist Party actually declared hybrid warfare against the United States in uh, March of 1986. Now, I, I'm going to pause for a second. You know, four and five years ago, my company and I, you know, could be seen as the tinfoil hat guys and the boy that cried wolf and the boys that cried wolf. Now they're like, people are like, help us with the wolf. Can you help us with the wolf? So we're, we stay pretty busy right now. So there's, there's all kinds of other stuff, other history on the Chinese Communist Party, the one child one, pol one child policy, forced abortions. If you, if you had a child, it was career punishment. Um, over 2 million forced organ harvesting. That's murder. Um, over 1 million interred uh, Uyghurs that are Muslims. And it just goes on and on and on. It's a, it's a surveillance state, a severe control state, extreme economic espionage and IP theft with no rules. They don't follow any rules with the United States. So I want to give the folks on the podcast kind of a little bit of background of, of our, our adversary who has clearly de declared war on, on uh, capitalism, democracy, and not just the United States, but everybody in the West. So, um, and to your, to your, uh, followers on your podcast, I would highly recommend that you send this uh, podcast to the executives in your company, your fellow C-levels, and even your CEO and your, uh, your board of directors, because uh, you know, this is something that's very, very serious that, that has come out. I don't think it's getting the attention that it needs, meaning that 
the counterintelligence strategy that came out. So uh, anyway, um, and by the way, when you're at war, now we're not at war with them. We have not declared war back to China, Russia, and so on. Um, But we are clearly saying no more. We are no longer going to tolerate theft of innovation and the intended destruction of capitalism and democracy. And that's what they're doing there. Instead of, instead of going after, you know, military to military, uh, they're going after our companies because they understand that to weaken the United States is to weaken society and to weaken companies and take the economic power away from the United States. And that's really what the key is here. So I, and I don't think that this message is getting out there well enough and that's why I think it's an appropriate time for, uh, yeah. for your podcast. Yeah, I don't think Back it's getting out there either. And something you said to me when you were on last time uh, you came on the show and I asked you, do you think we were, you know, we are at cyber, we are in cyber warfare with other countries. And you told me, well, they think they're at cyber war with us, you know, and that really stuck with me because they're you know, outwardly, outwardly uh, saying that, hey, look, you know, we're going to have this cyber war in, in with the United States. Uh, we're going to have this hybrid warfare. Uh, activity with them. And we kind of been sitting around for years. So I, I want to talk a little bit. I want to circle back to the, the counterintelligence strategy. And I want to understand, we've been sort of clamoring uh, for an, a comprehensive, all-inclusive counterintelligence strategy to help us combat what the Chinese have been doing to the Chinese government has been doing to the United States for years. And I want to understand what this new, you know, counterintelligence strategy says, why it's so important. It's two-year strategy from 2020 to 2022. And is this really what we've been waiting for? Um, so the answer is yes. This, I'll answer the second part first. Yes, this is exactly what we've been waiting for, that the government says, listen, we can't do it alone. We have to do it as a whole of nation approach, uh, businesses, companies, universities, uh, families, uh, everyone together on this thing. Um, so it is absolutely something that we needed because here's what happens, uh, is what's happened in the past. Private sector was pointing at the government. You figure it out. You protect us. And the government's like, okay, we're going to try to do that. And the university is like, we don't know. So we're just going to continue to research with the Chinese Communist Party. We're going to take money from the Chinese Communist Party. And we're not going to worry about theft innovation and all that kind of stuff because we, we haven't been briefed on how bad it is or what our role is in it and so on. So what this clearly states is, is that this, this problem is so big and so critical to the future of capitalism, democracy, and the United States and our allies that they actually put it into, the, our government put this into this go forward strategy. Again, it is so, so intense and so critical that you've never seen anything like this since World War II. So that's really what the, uh, the, the change in the tide, you know, the sea change in this thing has really happened and why it means so much. In other words, one sector cannot do it alone. You know, government can't do it alone. Military can't do it alone. Private sector can't do it alone. But there's part of this says the private sector has to step up and help defend themselves in a much better fashion that they have in the past. Now, cybersecurity is, again, only one vector. There are many other vectors like economic espionage, financial, economic theft, economic warfare, um, financial warfare, drug warfare, propaganda warfare. There are just, you know, there's over a hundred. So as I mentioned, as I mentioned in my opening, you founded the early IBM cyber division and you got this really solid background in, in cybersecurity 
You've been involved in the cybersecurity space for years. And now coupled with all these, all this national security expertise, how do these new developments affect our nation's cybersecurity posture? Well, that it's based on, the, you have to understand the whole big strategy. And the big strategy is hybrid warfare. And if you want to put the textbook name on it, it's asymmetric hybrid warfare, basically attack from all angles, all sides, and creating weaknesses in all of those areas. And again, cybersecurity is only a vector, a single vector. We think that cybersecurity, we've been trained in the industry and in the country that cybersecurity is the be-all, end-all. And CEOs and boards of directors think that, well, if we focus on cybersecurity, we're going to be fine. And the answer is that is not the answer. Our cybersecurity industry is driven by products that are in, uh, that are uh, fallible. They're created by humans, they're configured by humans, and they're managed by humans. So there's no... There's no secure code out there that's, you know, anything over 100 lines of code is, is hackable. Uh, so, and so we've got this false sense of security about cybersecurity. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we need to understand, again, cyber is just one vector. And I'm not saying let the foot off the gas of the, of the cyber thing. What I'm saying is let's, let's, look at, of, let's look at the big picture of insider threat and what that means. Let's look at the big picture of really what they're after and how they're how they're coming after your company, your data, your university, your data, and your corporate jewels. And so um, that's really the focus of, of what needs to happen. Um, uh, you have to understand the 360 view because it, then once you understand the 360 view, it provides clarity on how to protect yourself and how to deploy your resources. And, and I will tell you that this, this intelligence that I'm sharing with, uh, with your audience today adds, adds value to yourself, to your listener, uh, in your resume, as well as to your organization. So back to you. All right, folks, we've got to transition to a commercial break here, but stick with us. Lots more to come in this episode of Task Force 7 Radio. If you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be connected to the extended TF7 family. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, Please email me directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's with the number 7, radio.com. I want to remind our audience that we're building the world's premier cybersecurity professional network, Task Force 7. I'm really excited about this, folks. Tune in over the next several months for more information on this much-needed and much-awaited-for network. We're going to solve some problems together, I promise you. Task Force 7, get in the fight. We're going to pause some quick messages for our sponsors, and then we'll right back with our special guests, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partner Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. Whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Context Information Security knows that your development and engineering teams move quickly. Security testing should empower them, not slow them down. What you need is a solution that integrates their objectives and supports the bottom line. Getting your product out while protecting your customers and your brand. While traditional penetration testing is a great way to assure your systems after they've been built, it doesn't work for everyone. 
That's why at Context, we offer continuous security testing to help you build it right the first time. In fast-moving environments, continuous security testing allows your team to focus on the things that matter. Secure, agile development, speed of innovation, and building security into your products and systems from the ground up. Context has been helping organizations tackle the most complex security challenges for more than 20 years. Visit us today at contextis.com to learn more about how we can help you. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure security-innovation.org or Google Signet, S-I-N-E-T. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, 
George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partner Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. So, Casey, uh, we often talk about the effects that emerging technologies have on the marketplace, like the risk that artificial intelligence and these advanced encryption technologies have, the Internet of Things, of course. What they do, what happens when they're introduced into the environment, in corporate environments, and, and the risk that they, they impose, but a lot of people don't pay attention to that risk. They're just excited to incorporate some of this new technology to get the, take, take advantage of it, and they're always so looking at the P&L sheets and how much money they can make, right? So, but in the hands of the adversary, these technologies, I think, present a whole new level of concern. So what does it mean to us that the bad guys are starting to utilize these technologies? Uh, they've been using these technologies for quite a while. When they see a technology, when the bad guys see the technology, they're looking at it not just how to power their economy and their military, and their leadership and their oppression and all that uh, the kind of thing from, uh, from the Communist Party of China and to a lesser degree Russia. They're also looking at, so in other words, the same commercial uses that we use the technology for, they're looking at how that they can weaponize each one of these, these technologies. For example, uh, artificial intelligence on top of big data. So they steal all this data, like the Equifax breach, Marriott, Anthem, are all put together to maintain this massive database and then run AI on it very quickly to see what they've got for information, connections, access to innovation, access to, uh, and if you don't have direct access, who do you know that you can get access and how we can blackmail you and all these things. So they look at it as, you know, how can we weaponize this technology? So anytime a new technology is created, it's a double-edged sword. You've got, you know, the fantastic uses that it was designed for, and we don't ever spend much, enough time or much time at all in understanding and anticipating the weaponized side of this, of this technology. And that's, you know, like you mentioned, Internet of Things. I mean, we don't spend enough time on the security side of that at all. Um, uh, you know, you've heard about quantum computing. Well, once, once there's a ruler in quantum computing, a dominant player in quantum computing, then eventually, and it's not very far away, that it'll render all encryption obsolete because that quantum computer, uh, once it hits that level, will be able to uh, decrypt very, very quickly anything that's out there. So you have to, that's exactly what our adversaries are doing. They're looking how they can weaponize this technology that the Americans create uh, and uh, to turn it back against America to weaken the United States and to advance their agenda. And, and let me be really clear on the agenda, and I wish it weren't so. And I got to tell your listeners, you know, when I first got into this about 10 years ago um, as an extension to cybersecurity, we we're like, you know, we we're going to do another cybersecurity company. And it's like, no, nah, that ain't going to solve the problem. They've, you know, we've got at the time probably 3,000 cybersecurity companies, software companies. Uh, we focused on who's doing this and why are they doing this? So that really led us to be, you know, on the proactive side and not the reactive side. And once we understood all that, it's like, oh, my gosh. So I got I to gotta tell your listeners, my first couple of weeks, it's like, no, they're not doing this stuff. This is tinfoil hat conspiracy, conspiracy theory stuff. And after the first month or two, it's like, you know, my learning curve started to shoot up. And then after the first quarter of getting into this, it just, it was a hockey stick as far as what's going on. And after about the first six months to a year, it's like, okay, I get it. I know what they're doing now. Um, 
you know, and this doesn't surprise me. What else are they doing? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. So to your listeners, this may sound like some tinfoil hat stuff. And I got to tell you, it's not, you know, you know, consider us your brothers and sisters that have been to the front lines that have seen this and we're reporting it back to you. So when I say it's warfare against the United States, please understand it's not taken lightly. You know, like I said um, in the previous uh, section that, you know, we, we used to be considered, you know, four or five years ago to be entertainment. And that's nice. Um, now it's like, you know, you know, instead of crying wolf, it's like, help us with the wolf. Can you guys help us? So all of these things can be uh, weaponized against us. And that's exactly what our adversaries are doing. Back to you. So I, I think it's great that people understand that they're using these emerging technologies and weaponizing them against us because, in, in my opinion, I don't even think to some degree that people are even thinking about the tangential risks that are imposed when they implement these technologies into their own corporate environments. So they're not certainly not thinking about, you know, how they're being used against them. And I think it's important to have these discussions, educate people on what's really going on out there. What does this mean? for all our listeners out there in the commercial business sector? Well, it, it means a thing, it's called existential risk, life or death risk to your company. And, and when you make that cumulative, it's life and death, it's existential risk to your country, democracy, capitalism. And that's exactly what the Chinese Communist Party is intending and has intended. Um, so it's existential risk, again, to your company, to, to your economy and to your way of life. Um, people need to understand that uh, the, the CCP money, money coming from China is all directed and approved by the Chinese Communist Party. And 10 years ago, it didn't come with much of a cost because they were still in learning mode and they were taking out a company here or there like Northern Telecom or Nortel out of Canada, the largest company in Canada, um, which by the way is now Huawei. So if you want to know where Huawei came from, it's because they completely decimated and stole the innovation and uh, technology from Northern Telecom, basically the AT&T of Canada. That's where Huawei came from. Hmm. And so the money today comes at a much higher cost uh, than it did, say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So meaning that the risk of this money, you know, it's basically money with strings and you know, you may be getting money for development or putting in another plant or so on, but it's, it, it's at a cost to your company that it, could be, it will be accelerating uh, the demise of your company. And so as, as the Chinese Communist Party advances through their maturity of, of this whole hybrid warfare thing, you have to understand that the window that you might have had 10 years ago is now maybe a year to a year and a half. Um, so there's financial, the financial risk we're talking about is think about this. You're doing business in China, whether you're putting a plant in China, you're manufacturing in China, uh, manufacturing products or whatever in China, uh, you have a sister lab or you have a sister, uh, campus in China. We understand that just the risks over the past year, the trade wars, you don't know, you know, just by doing business with China. And by the way, the Chinese communist party is who you're doing business with trade wars increase the risk. Uh, exponentially. The coronavirus, COVID-19, raised the risk exponentially. Everything, supply chains are frozen. They're shut down now and, we, and for, for an indeterminate period. The IP and innovation theft from your company, your university, and then don't forget the forced technology transfer. If you're doing business in China, you must give all of your, all of your innovation and your trade secrets to China. So the point is, that risk is, is an existential risk. And for all of us who've been in business for any period of time, 
yeah, I was around in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. And to the, the folks that are listening, we've not been trained for this type of fight. We've been trained to fight the company down the street or on the other side of the U.S., or maybe low prices from another foreign country, like say Mexico or whatever. But that's standard competition. The competition we're looking at today that's been in, in that's been being perfected since 1986 from the Chinese Communist Party is this whole we want to we want to put you out of business and so on. So let, let me tell you, uh, uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Attorney General uh, John Demers came out with a statement a couple of years ago. It's rob, replicate, and replace. And so that's what the Chinese Communist Party is doing to your company and to our economy. And then same thing with wherever there are trade secrets, wherever there's innovation or sensitive data, it's rob, replicate, and replace. So your company or your university is somewhere in that continuum. You're either in the rob phase or you're in the rep, uh, replication phase, replicate phase, or you're in the replace phase. So they rob you, take your innovation back, and turn it or manufacture it um, is replication. Takes about a year and a half to two years for the Chinese to do that, and Chinese Communist Party. And I'll, and I'll say CCP, by the way, for the Chinese Communist Party. And then the replace thing is put you out of business, like Nortel and companies like American Superconductor. I don't think they're out of business, but they're certainly on, uh, on, uh, they're in the ICU right now. So you have to understand your company, your university is somewhere in one of those three phases, rob, replicate, and replace. So we've not been trained for this as executives in the past. And, you know, I certainly didn't go to IBM school and, and uh, they didn't teach that to me in IBM school or IBM executive training and that kind of thing. So we have to understand it's a different fight. So we have to learn how to fight in this, in this different environment. So you mentioned uh, academia in the first segment, and you just mentioned uh, academic institutions again. What does this mean to them? Well, we, we think of the private sector kind of only in terms of the business sector, right? Companies, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, and small small and medium businesses. Well, that's, that's part of the private sector. It's a big part of the private sector, but another part of the private sector is, is our, our universities. And that's where we, you know, we spend a lot of tax money and we develop all these different technologies. And oh, by the way, in 2017, there were 405,000 Chinese uh, national students at U.S. universities. It's down to about today, it's down to about 350,000. Now, I'm not saying all of them are spies. I'm certainly not saying that, but I will tell you the Chinese Communist Party believes every one of those people are assets. And just like the CIA considers their agents assets, every one of those Chinese students are considered assets, uh, as well as second generation Chinese Americans, third generation Chinese Americans. Um, the, the CCP has very, very long tentacles. So whenever we talk about the private sector, it includes the academic side. And they, you know, they're not trained on, number one, what's important. They're certainly not trained on hybrid warfare, and they're not trained on how to protect and uh, protect the innovation that they're creating, and they're not trained on how to vet people um, on, uh, on what's going on. One thing, it's kind of appropriate I, I mention this now. I, I, like I, I say, see something, say something. You know, report it. If you see something on the business side or the academic side, see something that doesn't look right and say something. And I, I liken it back to the, uh, the, uh, the Boston Marathon. I think now anybody who sees a black duffel bag or a bag sitting by itself, it won't be there very long. And that's the, that's the security culture we need to have in our organizations both on the business side and the, uh, the academic side. 
So recently, the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, made some new comments during his recent trip to Europe. And I'd like your opinion on what he said over there. I think it's very important. And can you unpack uh, his comments for us? Basically, break it down for our audience and tell us what it means. Sure. Um, I think what you're seeing is, not I think, exactly what you're seeing is this release of the new counterintelligence uh, strategy for 2020 to 2022, just two years out. And you're seeing all the high levels of our government, Secretary of State Pompeo, Pence, Trump, um, uh, Secretary of Defense, Esper, uh, you know, the DNI, DOJ, FBI, everybody's on the same page. They all understand this risk, this threat, this warfare that's been uh, lodged upon the United States. And we're not, we as a country and, and the, t- the higher levels of our government are all on the same page. And I think that's, that's important for the audience to understand. So what Esper recently said, actually last weekend in Europe, he said uh, all of our allies and the European Union, but also including Australia, Canada, everybody, all of our Western allies, anybody who is democracy-based, freedom-based, and capitalism-based needs to wake up. And all of our allies need to be on the same page, just like we mentioned earlier. It's a, a uh, whole-of-nation approach or a whole-of-society approach. It has to be that way, a whole-of-alliance or ally approach. And they must do the same to combat this, this kind of evil. It's, it, it's an evil threat. It's good versus evil. No question about it when you look at the Chinese Communist Party. And so there has to be a one-team type of approach. But his, uh, the words that he used were, were, wake up. Everybody needs to wake up to the threat of the Chinese Communist Party. And that's, uh, that's to your point, that's coming from the Secretary of Defense. So also recently, also recently in public remarks made last week, at the China Initiative Conference in Washington, D.C., I saw that NCSC Director William Evanina said Chinese theft of intellectual property totaled as much as $400 billion annually in economic loss. And effectively, that cost U.S. households about $4,000 a year each after taxes. So is, is basically China the greatest threat to our national security right now? Absolutely. Unequivocally, absolutely. The no Chinese Communist either. Party is the is no question. It's the greatest threat. People ask, well, how big is it? I say, well, you know about the 800 pound gorilla? Well, the Chinese Communist Party is the 3200 pound gorilla and we created it. Um, you know, we've, we've put plants over there. We've had, we've taught them how to run the most efficient plants on the planet. Um, same thing with universities, everything. We've, we've just loaded up China, hoping that they would be a democratic society and a capitalistic society. They, they do a little bit, of, they do a hybrid capitalism, but you've got to understand the command and control is the Chinese Communist Party. And they're, they're trained to turn all this around on us. One thing I'd recommend to all your listeners is get this book. It, it's called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And he was a brilliant Chinese general back about 500 BC. So it's, it's been a few years, but everything, he, everything that he has said and, and put it on your desk and read it once a year. It's a thin book. It won't take you long, a couple hours, maybe a couple hours to read it, but put it on your desk as a constant reminder that this is what your company, you, your family, your grandkids are under. You've got to understand your enemy. And we don't, as Americans, we don't understand that it's East versus West. It's, um, you know, warfare versus same old thing, you know, what's for lunch? When's my golf game? And when's the Super Bowl start? You have to understand that 
um, every about every 70 years, it's called great power competition. You know, one or two countries decide that they want to take over the world. And and this is this is what's happening today. People ask me, hey, Casey, do you what do you think World War Three looks like? And I say, hey, do you think this is World War Three? I said, well, what do you think World War Three looks like? I said, you've got the communist axis of China, Chinese Communist Party, Russia. Putin used to be is a full communist uh, and was in the KGB. Now it's it's the new version of the KGB is the FSB. And then you've got Iran and you've got North Korea. Well, like I said, mentioned before, the regime might as well be communist in Iran. And North Korea is certainly uh, communist. And so they do recently in the past year, they've done joint military training exercises. They share military equipment and some strategy. And uh, so you have to understand, yeah, they're partnered together to weaken the United States and to weaken our allies. Uh, so you have to understand, yeah, do I say it's, you know, I'm not, I do not speak for our government, not at all. Uh, I can speak as kind of an expert on China and an expert in cybersecurity and an expert on strategy. And, and I'm telling you, it's uh, your audience. It's absolutely World War III. Uh, it's just there's our adversaries are smart enough not to use the nuclear option. They're, they're smart enough also not to go to conventional, but to use our open and free society, our laws against us. And remember all these other vectors, this asymmetric hybrid warfare is all based on no laws, no rules. All of our allies follow international law and international order that was set forth at world war II. Well, the adversaries say, those are your laws. Those aren't ours. So we don't have any laws. And the only laws that we have are to keep our communist regime in power. So those things all have to be uh, understood. So the number you said 400 billion, uh, we, you have to understand those are government guys. And, and by the way, I work with them regularly and I will tell your audience that our government are the finest group of people that you can imagine. They're, they're unsung heroes. Um, but you know, we all have weaknesses and we all have uh, things that we have to focus on. So our government are, are not a group of MBAs. So when he says 400 billion, that's the raw research development and innovation stolen out of the economy every year. So our number is more like 600 billion. When you look at the expatriates and you look at the numbers that we deal with with our clients, the number's more like 600 billion of raw R&D. So and I want to stress to our audience, that's an annual number you're talking about, not just in total. That's an it, annual loss. <laughs> absolutely correct. <laughs> but you have to put the MBA number on that. In other words, that number, the raw innovation, is meant to power your company, say, for an average of 10 years, just, just for easy math. Usually it's about seven to 10 years. So that cancer drug or that computer chip that you developed or whatever it is, um, hybrid seed, name it, uh, whatever, whatever powers the U.S. economy and your company and your university, the, what your university is developing. So you multiply that by 10 years that it's supposed to create revenue, profit, and jobs. So that $600 billion, uh, really quickly comes to $6 trillion. Now you say, well, maybe it's not that much. Okay, back it down to $3 trillion. Either way, our, our GDP right now is around $22 trillion. So you have to understand that's a massive number. And it's, it's not just a number that we're losing. It's a number that's being used against us to kill capitalism and democracy. So that number... So yeah, at 400 billion, it's about $4,000 a year that your family is losing. Um, we're telling you it's a, it's a heck of a lot more than that. And so that's the seriousness of, of what's going on. And our government, like I said, they're not marketing people. They're not salespeople. They're not MBA people. They're saltwater fish versus freshwater fish. And that's why the private sector 
of businesses, all businesses and academia need to get together, uh, need to come together and come together with our government as a whole of nation support. So as you know, this is a big election year and it's been said that China and Iran have learned from Russia's success in interfering with our 2016 elections. Is election security going to be that much more difficult now that we have multiple nation states seemingly poised to be launching simultaneous operations to influence this election process this year? It is because our other adversaries have woken up to the fact that there's nefarious things going on, especially from the Russians. Um, but we're more wise to it now. We know what to look for, and we've beefed up and hardened our systems. But at the same time, as Americans, we all have to be aware that we're in, we have entered a new, a new dimension, and that's information warfare, also known as cognitive warfare. And so when these things are all getting posted, I, just, I read an Intel uh, piece this morning, and it says that uh, uh, there are eight groups. There, there are eight groups on Facebook now that are trying to start a second civil war in the United States, and the ones that are trying to start it are hard right people, and that a nation state is behind this, this hard right, uh, these hard right postings on Facebook. So what, I'm, what, I need to, what I'd like to say to your audience is just you know, stick to your values that you were raised with, with your family, stick those values into your children and grandchildren and, and realize everything you see on the internet is not necessarily true. And it's not as bad as it seems and uh, calmer heads will prevail. But on the election side, I think the systems are hard hardened pretty well right now from our understanding. And I don't think that you have that much to worry about. However, the discourse that's out there on the social media platforms is only amping up. And I, I know that some of the, the social media platforms are trying to work on knocking some of those down and drop those groups off of their platforms, but they can't get to all of them and just realize as Americans, uh, you know, stand up what we stand for. By the way, I'll make a comment. It's probably appropriate now. You know, it, it seems, and by the way, we seem that, you know, we've got all this discourse in America and a lot, I will tell you a lot of that based on the Intel that we receive is really generated from our adversaries. A lot of it is what's going on in America is not as bad as, as what that seems, but I'll also tell you on the other side, um, you, we, we started this broadcast, uh, talking about this new counterintelligence strategy that came out, you know, the United States is always late to the fight. You know, if you look at our history, we're always late to yeah. the fight. We're late to wake up. But when, but when we get our act together, um, we're very, very focused and we're very, very strong. So I think when, when this word gets out about really what the true risk is from the Chinese Communist Party and to a lesser degree, Russia, Iran, and North Korea, and then the whole host of other guys that are out there, the hackers and all that kind of stuff, the standard private hackers and privateers. I think you'll see the country come together on, on a single mission to, to help shore up democracy and capitalism that have been eroded over the past many years by the adversaries. So as our audience gets more educated on the threats that Western nations face, is there anything that the average person should be doing to contribute to our national security? Just Use this broadcast and send this broadcast to people in your company, in your family network, people you care about, even people you don't care about because we're all Americans. But send <laughs> this broadcast out to, to, to raise awareness and stay aware. I hope, I hope this broadcast has, has really piqued uh, everyone's awareness to say, you know what, I'm mad, I'm upset, and, uh, and so on. So I, I think keep your awareness up and, and get people energized around this subject. Or, 
or it's going to happen while you're sleeping and it's going to happen, you know, either you're in, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And I always like to try to be part of the solution. So keep your awareness up and spread that awareness to other people. Remember this, you know, the, the counterintelligence strategy that came out has never been enacted in, in history since, since World War II. So this is kind of a World War II answer. This is our blitzkrieg moment. And I'm not overblowing this to folks. I mean, I, I think the, the people are aware of my background. I'm certainly not going to jeopardize my background to be a tinfoil hat guy or a, a sky is falling guy. I'm not that kind of guy. But, uh, you know, some of us have to step up to be patriots and American patriots. And I kind of think that's, that's the position I, I would hope that I fall in. And then take ownership of the problem. Take ownership of your family, yourself, your, your, your department at work, and people you talk to. Take ownership of the problem and say, you know, we've got to do a better job of, of creating a security-based culture, which, yes, cybersecurity is a piece of that, but it's not the, not the only piece of that. Hybrid warfare is the big picture. Understand that. And hybrid warfare, again, is aimed at putting your company out of business as quickly as they possibly can. And, uh, and it absolutely changed the course of the United States forever. And by the way, I'll, I'll mention to you also that the Chinese Communist Party live, live under the mantra of live versus die. I must live, you must die. And the United States, we are win or lose. So every January 1st, if I didn't get that business deal or if I didn't get, uh, if my team didn't win, then January 1st resets the clock and I'm in the fight again. Not so with the Chinese Communist Party. You, you know, remember Sun Tzu, um, you will, they're in the fight of their lives. They, they view the last century as the century of great humiliation. They, they view that they ran the world for 2000 years and the last century was world war two where the Japanese came in and, and, and wrecked havoc on China and the Americans had to come in and kick the Japanese out. So that's the century of great humiliation. Um, and they're saying, we're going to take our place back in rightful order. And they have no intention, by the way, of coexisting. They'll say they do. Well, we're just trying to be good partners over here in Asia. They have no intention of coexisting. So those are the kind of things. So understand the threat. The threat is a life and death threat by your, your enemy, your adversary. And it should be a life and death threat to you and your family and your company. All right, Casey, we've got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with our special guest, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops Partner Corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Context Information Security knows that your development and engineering teams move quickly. Security testing should empower them, not slow them down. What you need is a solution that integrates their objectives and supports the bottom line. Getting your product out while protecting your customers and your brand. While traditional penetration testing is a great way to assure your systems after they've been built, it doesn't work for everyone. That's why at Context, we offer continuous security testing to help you build it right the first time. In fast-moving environments, continuous security testing allows your team to focus on the things that matter. Secure, agile development, speed of innovation, and building security into your products and systems from the ground up. Context has been helping organizations tackle the most complex security challenges for more than 20 years. Visit us today at contextis.com to learn more about how we can help you. 
As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Signet, S-I-N-E-T. Email is having an identity crisis. It's just too easy for attackers to spoof trusted brands or even the government. That's why over 80% of email attacks are based on fake identities. The solution is to stop the fakes before they get to the inbox. That's why enterprises use Valley Mail. It's a trusted identity-based email security solution. Find out if your domain can be spoofed and request a complete free phishing analysis at valleymail.com. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Black Ops partner corporation, Mr. Casey Fleming. So Casey, we talked about so much in the first and second uh, segments of the show. When all is said and done, what are the key takeaways from all this? What should everybody be walking away with? Uh, Folks need to understand, number one, the urgency. They say, well, how urgent is this? And I say on a scale of one to 10, it's about a nine. 
This is happening very, very quickly. Uh, it's, it's amped up over the past, uh, you know, 34 years that people need to understand that they need to, to get their hands around this whole subject of hybrid warfare and uh, this whole new counterintelligence strategy and understand the urgency. So number one, urgency. Number two, this cannot change inside the organization without the CEO and the board of directors. So this is, this is an existential risk to them that they're not trained for. Um, so, you know, send this podcast to them and say, hey, this is very interesting, interesting to me. Um, and send it to everybody in your network, but uh, in your organization, go to your boss, go to go get the support. I'll tell you, the people in the organization that totally get this is the CISO, the Chief Information Security Officer, the CSO, the Chief Security Officer, the General Counsel. You won't have to convince them any of this, but they'll say, wow, where did you find this? This is great information. This helps me get this into the next board meeting or into the next C-level meeting. So the only way to fix this in companies and in universities is get it to the president in the university, the chancellor in the university, the provost. Uh, and then on the business side, I just mentioned, it's got to be a CEO and a board issue or things will not change and your company will continue to, eat, to be in, in the spot and along the continuum of rob, replicate, and replace. So it is the existential risk. Um, I, I will, you know, learn by history. I will mention this. Nortel execs failed to see the urgency or the significance. Back in 2000, the Chinese Communist Party through the Chinese military got into the Nortel network. And again, that's Northern Telecom in Canada. And uh, the execs didn't, didn't uh, they failed to see the, uh, the urgency or the seriousness. And the IT director was running up and down the hallways with his hair on fire. And they're like, hey, settle down, calm down. Well, only a very short eight years later, and this is while the Chinese Communist Party and, the, and their people were getting their act together to streamline their approach and their effectiveness and their efficiency, um, it took eight years to, to turn Nortel into bankruptcy. Now, that was the largest company in Canada and the oldest company in Canada, um, $30 billion. And Huawei is the company that the Chinese Communist Party took the technology and instituted it inside of Huawei. Um, so th that is happening to every business in the United States and all of our allies. It's a rob, replicate, and replace strategy. So just realize that Nortel is the, the canary in the coal mine, and it is happening to all these other companies. So just use that as an example and, and understand that that's, there are literally hundreds of these companies that are, are gone by the wayside. Either that or they, they, they sustained a, a massive hit. There's a chip manufacturing company that lost 50% of their IP with one theft. Um, and that was about two years ago. And that's, uh, that's public. It's in the news. So how do you survive after you lose 50% of your IP? Um, so corporate strategies must be, you know, the, the corporate strategy on how you go to market, how do you go to business, how you deal with competition must be rebuilt on top of this hybrid warfare platform. If companies don't understand how they're being attacked and how they're being uh, put out of business, and their corporate strategy does not map or mirror that, or at least have a plan, then, you know, unfortunately, you're going to be out of business in, in a very short period of time. And I'm not, I would never say that 10 years ago, or even five years ago. But when you see the carnage and the numbers and the intelligence coming across, and you see this new counterintelligence strategy, I can, I can explain to you guys, uh, to, the, to the audience, that I've been to the front line. I live on the front line seven days a week. 
100 hours a week I, I work in, uh, in this business. And I can tell you it is that serious. And you, we don't have the element of time uh, on our side. So corporate strategy must be rebuilt on top of this hybrid warfare platform. It has to be a culture change. If you remember the way we did sexual harassment training and then we did um, diversity training, this is the same kind of thing. It's a culture change on how we treat data and, uh, and uh, you know, raising the awareness through the organization. And then it has to be a transformation on how we deal with a, a new security strategy based on security. And then don't the last item I'll tell you is don't forget about your supply chain. Uh, 60% of uh, data breaches and theft happen through the supply chain. So you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, raise the, the saber on the supply chain and say, Hey, listen, you're going to, if you're going to handle our IP and you're going to have our corporate jewels, you're going to have to take care of it the same way that we do back at the house. So those are the, those are the, uh, those are the key takeaways I've got for you. So I'm a big, big believer in your message. I really believe in what you're doing in your business. Uh, obviously a big fan of, of Black Ops Partner Corporation. How can your company help our audience? Well, thank you. So number one, we, we're the guys that have adversarial intelligence. So we, we've got a hook, line, and sinker on the bad guys, what their, what their strategy is, and how they're coming after each industry, each company, so on. So we've got adversarial intelligence. The big thing, and I'm not here to sell you on my company, but you know, people always want to know, well, what's this guy's angle? Who is he? And what's his angle? You know, follow the money kind of thing. So uh, our big thing is strategic wargaming. And it's not the wargaming, it's not cyber wargaming, which is at the tactical layer in the organization. This is strategic wargaming based on your company's strategy and how it fits against your enemy's strategy. So we do strategic wargaming. And we've got... Uh, uh, the probably the best war gamers on the planet are the U.S. Navy, and so we've got the U.S. Navy running our war game division. Uh, uh, retired U.S. Navy, by the way. So the, the I guess the biggest the, the biggest thing that I would say, say Casey, if if there's one thing that you guys do that can help us, it's war gaming. So here's the point: you're not it's East versus West. You're not going to understand your adversary, your enemy, unless we unless you're put into a seat for a day or two and you're having to sweat and fight it out. And then you'll understand exactly how they're coming at you. And it's something completely foreign. Remember 9-11. 9-11, we never thought that somebody is going to hijack a, a, a big wide body jet, they call them heavies, full of fuel right after takeoff, full of civilians and fly it into the World Trade Center or the Pentagon or wherever the last flight number four uh, 93 and that kind of thing. We never thought that people would do that because we're Americans. We're not, we don't grow up thinking that kind of devious, evil type of stuff. Um, so that's what a war game does. A war game throws you into it and says, hey, these are the risks you're not even aware of. Um, this is how you model them and this is how you fight against them. So we make your butt sweat in a seat and do the strategic war gaming, whether it's a half day, a day, you know, the longer the game, the more benefits you're going to derive. And so only then are you going to truly understand what you're up against? Because right now I can, I can, I've got a beautiful PowerPoint presentation um, that I, I give to top levels of the government and so on. They already get this problem, but for the folks that don't, which are typically the, the fortune 500, the fortune 1000, small and medium businesses, universities, the slide presentation is awesome, but you're only going to retain about 8%. Then you're going to ask, you know, what's for dinner. But it's only when you get into a war game do you understand the severity and say, oh, my God, now I get it. So 
So if there's one thing that I can say that we do, and we do extremely well, it's the war game side of the house um, versus cyber red teams or cyber. And I'm not saying walk away from those. Those are absolutely valuable. But the fight is at the strategic layer in your organization to the strategic layer in your adversary. So that's where we focus on it. And then we do, uh, you know, your hybrid warfare. You know, this changes the game for your company and your university. So we do risk assessments based on hybrid warfare, and then we give you recommendations on mitigation of that, and then we help you rework your security strategy. So that's, that's kind of what we do. But it all, it's all founded or foundationed on strategic wargaming. So where can people go to find out information about hybrid warfare and what's really going on? Like you, you mentioned some statistics before throughout the whole segment. Where, where is all this information? Because it's not being broadcasted out well enough for people to find it easily. Where do they go to, to find out about it? Great question. So if I've done my job properly for you on this webcast or this podcast, um, I have piqued your audience's uh, curiosity and, and hopefully turned most of them uh, into the fight. So there's only one, if you want, so they're going to want more information. They're going to want more detail. They're going to want more evidence. How bad is it? What can I see? And so on. The, the place I can point you is to the comp on LinkedIn Google or on LinkedIn, do a, do a LinkedIn search for Black Ops Partners and go to our company page and hit follow us and you'll get the news feeds. We post about, we post every day and usually anywhere from three to five to 10 articles. And it's just, it's sickening on how bad this is. So if you're looking to connect the dots, then go to the company page. And then if you want, just go anytime you've got some spare time, page down through the first page, second, third, and fourth, and it'll make you sick to your stomach. But you will be an expert. You'll be the most <laughs> interesting person at your, uh, your company parties and your, your family parties and so on. The second piece of it is I'd recommend our website, the Black Ops Partners Corporation website, and just look at the Insight tab and the AHW tab, which stands for Asymmetric Hybrid Warfare. There's key articles there that will that'll pull it together for you that actually states how bad this whole thing is. And, uh, and then I've had that, I had my staff send you over some links that you can post to the bottom of this, uh, this uh, podcast, which, which is the counterintelligence strategy that, I, that we've talked about in this, as well as our website and our LinkedIn company page. But uh, that's, that's where you need to go for additional information. All right, Casey, thanks so much for being on the show with us this evening. Come on on the show again. This is, this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart. This kind of stuff gets me all wound up. And uh, I need to get the word out too. And I, I want to do my part in doing that. So I really appreciate you coming on. George, thank you for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure. All right, folks, it's time to go. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub, the reader recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel.